0: Welcome back Bears fans to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Monday, August 2nd, which is day five of Chicago Bears training camp. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. Joined right next to Nicholas Moriano. This is our first person recording. So first time sitting next to each other since February of 2020. The NFL scouting combine is the last time we recorded a podcast in the same room. But I'm excited to talk Bears camp today Is our final practice before the Bears put on the pads here tomorrow, but Nick, how you doing, fella? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right, now I just caught on why you're saying fella, because
1: you, you might hear that later, but yeah, no, today was a good practice, we were in practice fields three and four, places that I haven't been to at Hallis Hall, but Will, I'm more curious to hear how it, first day for you being at Hallis Hall went, because I've been there a couple of days, how was it?
0: Tremendous. Uh, lifelong dream come true. A lot of our listeners know, you know, I started this podcast as like a little internship project way back in 2015. Found you in 2016 and, you know, history ever since. But to go to House Hall for the first time as a media member for this podcast was a total surreal experience. And it felt good to be back at Bears Camp. We missed that last year. You know, they didn't have any just due to COVID, no fan experience. And going to training camp, I've been doing it since I was a kid. Uh, and the last year was the first year I missed since I was like 10 years old. Uh, so to be back here today, uh, felt tremendous since it's my only day I'm gonna be able to make it just due to you know personal life and work. Being five hours away doesn't really help all too much. But I'm excited to kind of share some of our insights here. Uh, today, lots to break down and discuss, both on offense, a really interesting day, uh, as well as some good defensive takeaways and maybe some special teams near the very end. Before we do, Nick, I have to hand you over the mic because you have to let us know about uh, a message from our friend at Manscaped. Oh, you know it, so people who have been watching these,
1: uh, you know exactly what's coming, but it's a new script and here's how it goes. Attention listeners from across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and even Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system together. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com for a clean trinity and beyond. Your space balls will thank you.
0: All right, I'm proud of you uh, for getting through that. That one was a ton of fun to kind of work through. But let's get to business here because, again, this is my first day actually getting to watch this Bears team at work this year. And, Nick, you've been able to be around for a while. And I want to begin on offense because that's what everyone wants to hear about. And I'm going to begin with Justin Fields because, as a fan, showing up there today, getting to watch him in action was priority number one, and I know right after practice you were able to go in the media room and Justin Fields was mentioning, you know, greatness doesn't happen overnight. He wants to get better each and every day. So since you've been to training camp, I actually wanted to take a moment to hand you the mic. And I just want to know, has he kind of gotten better every day and was today his best day in your eyes? Yeah, absolutely. I think from
1: day one to now day five, with the first day of being a close practice, I think you've seen Justin Fields make more of those throws, especially over the middle, that than you would ever see from – you know, let's say a Mitchell Trubisky, but I think today's practice, you really saw elements of his game that was was happening at Ohio State, whether it was running if things weren't there, or just being able to deliver a strike over the middle and really trusting those tight ends to be in the places that he wants them to be. But each day that I've been here, I would say Justin Fields has gotten better. And I think that's that's no to no surprise too because of who Justin Fields is, the work that he puts in, just who he how he carries himself. So definitely progression is being made each and every day from Justin Fields and I know Bears fans love to hear that.
0: Oh for sure and what I was seeing from you and some of the other reporters throughout Bears camp is just how hot that ball comes out of his hands and let me tell our listeners that is no joke it's zinging out of there you know it sings it's hot and buzzing any word that you want to throw in there Justin Fields has that kind of zip on the football, and when I just recollect on what kind of day he had, you know, it didn't start off well, uh, 7-on-7. He did struggle a little bit, went 1-for-6 during that portion, but later on in practice during the team drills, really stepped up. He led the only scoring drive, a touchdown drive, of the entire day throughout that drill, and that actually had my favorite throw of the entire practice when he was rolling to his left, and he did a little Mahomes sidearm wrist flick throw. Fit right between three defenders right there. Found Jesse James for a decent chunk. And while I mentioned Jesse James, I just want to mention as well that connection between the new tight end and our rookie quarterback. That's something to kind of pay attention to throughout preseason. All of camp today, I felt like when I would look up, you see Fields hitting Jesse James for a completion, and those two are building a lot of chemistry. What stood out in your mind when you were watching Justin Fields throughout those team drills today? I know... I was very pleased and impressed with his ability to overcome on third and long. A couple of those uh, third or twelve and more, he was able to convert, including one as a fourth and seven. So his ability to overcome in general was probably my biggest takeaway out of the entire day. I think the big thing with me, and you won't see this from Andy Dalton
1: or Nick Foles, or it's only an attribute that really Justin Fields has, is the ability to scramble. And to scramble to get those first downs. There was a third down and 12. And it's what they did is a situational team period. It was a fourth quarter where the team is down 28 to to 17. And the offense has to go. They're starting on the 25-yard line. They have to drive down the field. Well, Justin Fields and that second-team offense was facing a third down and 12. You mentioned it earlier, Will, where what Fields does, he uses his legs to get the first down. And then there's also a fourth-down play where Fields does the same thing, getting that first down. So that – I, it's something not, i don't I wouldn't say it's simple but he's using his god-given ability to really do things that the other quarterbacks can't and then you add in those strikes over the middle of the field well then you're starting to see why hey the Bears moved up to go get him 11th overall but that's what I wanted to see from fields and obviously it's a little different you can't hit the quarterback it's they're not in pads yet but there when there was a rushing when there was a lane open, and Fields didn't find any of his receivers that broke away from separation, he took it upon himself to kind of make those plays. There was actually another one where it was a third and long play, third and eight, and Justin Fields gets one of the defenders to jump off sides. And then it becomes obviously a third and three play, but he's taking it upon himself, do whatever he can to give the offense a chance. Now you're in a third, third and manageable instead of third and long. So that's what I love seeing from Justin Fields, the things that he can do himself to bail out an offense when they're not in an advantageous situation.
0: Yeah, that's a very much a veteran move there, right? You're in third and long, using your cadence, using that hard count to get yourself, as you said, third and manageable, third and short, really, third and three. Uh, I would take that over a third and night any day of the week. And that wasn't the only time that Fields looked like a veteran out there. There was times earlier when they're kind of installing some stuff, and we can't talk about specific formations. Um, But they had Jesse James was running to the right side as soon as the huddle broke. Uh, But as soon as they broke the huddle, Justin looked up and saw these going the wrong way, immediately corrected them to get them lined up on the right side. Before that, the the entire team even got up to the line of scrimmage. So he immediately diagnosed it and had the ability to correct his veteran teammate, someone who's new, still learning this offense so you can understand it. But still, seeing that out of a Justin Fields, to me, was tremendous. And something that he did a better job in team drills than seven on seven were some of those anticipatory throws. 7-on-7, uh, seven seven, kind of holding on a little bit. Guys weren't really making those breaks. But really in team drills, he saw a couple of times where he was able to throw that ball before the receiver made that break. And you're looking at, like, a Demir Bird, who's, like, about 20 yards down the field. Did a little hook, but way deep down, and it was, like, double coverage. And before he even turned around, that ball was out. And as soon as Bird turned, the ball is right between the numbers. Pinpoint accuracy on that one to thread the needle. Same thing with J.P. Holtz, who's an outbreaking route about 15 yards out, which is a very tough throw for a quarterback to throw that out. And he led him perfectly where he needed to uh, dive, I think, to get that mm-hmm. along the sideline. So again, Justin growing within a practice to me was something that was really awesome to see and something I'm excited to see how we can build on once we get the pads on tomorrow, once we get into some of these preseason games. Is there anything else about Justin Fields that you wanted to mention today that to me I think we've hit on most of what he did today, Uh, his ability to overcome not just the struggles early in practice, but in those situational drills when they have the Bears offense down by a couple of touchdowns, and he has to go in there, run that four-minute offense, do some no-huddle, do some hurry-up, and he was able to lead that team better than we've seen Andy Dalton do today, better than we saw Nick Foles do today. It was really Justin Fields that kind of brought some of that juice, that energy uh, on that offense to kind of lead his team. And for a rookie quarterback that you take 11th overall at this stage, practice number five. What more can he ask for?
1: Exactly. What more can you ask for? And I think, you and you touched on this, Will, like in the 7-on-7 seven seven period early on, like he did go 1-for-6. He was trying to force those passes down a little bit deeper, uh, trying to hit those intermediate routes, and they just weren't connecting for Justin Fields. And he actually addressed that in his post, uh, post-practice post press conference. And what, what happened after that conversation, or after that kind of drill there in 7-on-7s, seven you know, Andy Dalton talked to him to say, hey, it's all right to take some of those checkdowns. So... You see the impact that like a guy like that can have on, you know, Justin Fields, who then in team drills, like Will was saying, led them to their only touchdown scoring drive and also a field goal drive. So I th- or that was Nick Foles. Sorry, but it was it, you'd like to see the chemistry and just how these quarterbacks kind of work with each other. I think from there, well, I can kind of talk about what Andy Dalton did on the other end here. And 7-on-7s, opposite of of Justin Field, he looked sharp. Andy Dalton was lighting it up, and I think a lot of our notes from today with him, those anticipatory throws, something that Matt Nagy mentioned was a strength from Andy Dalton. Man, you really saw that. He was throwing passes— before the wide receivers, or as they're kind of g- breaking on their route, and the ball is right then and there, just perfectly placed, and he had a really nice throw to Demir Bird on um, down the right sideline, and Kendall Vildor was in coverage, and it was just a deep ball, perfectly placed, and that's something that, you know, in this camp, we've seen Andy Dalton complete those, those explosive plays that this offense has been lacking for, for years now. So it was nice to see him there, but like we kind of talked about in team drills, it kind of reversed there where Justin Fields had you know a better end uh, during those those times other than um, than Andy Dalton. But there was a lot of sacks, I'll say, that kind of impacted that first-team offense where you don't have your starting tackles and you have Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, and guys like that just kind of providing that pressure. It's definitely going to impact what that unit can do. Andy Dalton did say in his post-game press conference, like, No, I I never got sacked. They were never near me, so he kind (laughs) of made a joke of it. But, uh, yeah, I think tomorrow will be a little bit more telling, and we'll see how Tevin Jenkins and guys look when the pads do come on.
0: Yeah, since this is my first time watching Andy Dalton, I kind of knew what to expect, and I think he was pretty much as advertised. He didn't do anything that really made me want to pull my hair out. He didn't make any of those boneheaded mistakes, uh, but he also didn't do anything that was, like, spectacular. He had that really good throw, but there wasn't anything – That kind of, I don't know, put a smile on your face, got you excited, got a reaction from the crowd like you saw from Justin, whether it was with his feet uh, or with his arm talent today, but he's serviceable, and he just kind of got the job done. Super efficient, like you said, in 7-on-7. I think there was a point too in team drills. uh, He did have like five straight completions until the offensive line let up a couple of those sacks uh, after the offense reached the red zone. But again, just the efficiency was there as well as the stability and the ability to kind of make those plays happen, throwing guys open, and making sure that the timing of this offense was very much on point. So that was what I was most impressed with, Uh, Andy Dalton. And I don't know if he hit it with Justin, so I'm sorry, but we have to talk about Justin Fields just a little bit more. Um, But his ability to carve up the defense in the middle of the field today. And that's something you didn't see with Mitch under center at all uh, throughout his tenure here. Um, But Justin's ability to test the middle of the field, uh, that intermediate range like right behind the linebackers in between the safeties, He was hitting Cole Komet over there, hitting some of the tight ends. And to me, I thought, actually, he didn't hit Komet. That was Dalton. Scratch that. But still, his ability to kind of carve the middle of the defense and just test it and have that confidence to make those throws and not hold on to the football was yet another thing that uh, I took away that I saw in my notes. Wanted to make sure I mentioned here on the podcast. Do you have anything else on QBs or do you want to move on? You know, one last thing. I saw Mason in the
1: chat there tell the fans what they really want to know. Did Foles have command of the third-string huddle? And he does. Nick Foles definitely has a command of the third-stringers. And if you guys didn't get a chance to watch his press conference, I got to just be there. And, man, that was a fiery and very just inspired Nick Foles. And, you know, I think that he's – right now he's owning where he's at as the third-stringer, but there is a side of him that – I believe, think that he believes that he could still be a starter somewhere else. And he did say that he wants to go somewhere where he has familiarity. And obviously, I think the Colts is the big rumor there. But no doubt about it, he definitely has um, ownership of those third stringers. He's given them a lot of good looks too. So there is definitely a lot that can be taken away from having a former Super Bowl MVP quarterback running that system because we've seen third stringers that just... You know they're third stringers. They they are the bottom of the barrel, looking to kind of get into get into a football team. But yeah, I think Nick Foles has done a really good job with that unit, just operating it and getting the most out of those guys, and you know giving them a chance to make a roster possibly.
0: Yeah, really good point there. I want to move on to like tight end receivers and kind of continue this passing game discussion. You mentioned Demir Bird. I thought he flashed a little bit today. Uh, he's someone that I had making this team. I, I forgot if you had him or not.
1: I had him because of Anthony
0: Miller's. Um, so once he got traded, it kind
1: of updated like, all right, Demir Bird will will now be on this roster.
0: Okay. See, I had him prior uh, to the trade, so I'm excited uh, to see him kind of stand out just a-, a little bit here today coming up with big catches, being involved really throughout this offense. And someone who also surprised me who was being involved, and that was when Dustin Fields on the field, and that was Javon Whibbs. Uh, out there making a few plays here and there. And here's the guy who, you know, after that drop in the Saints game, kind of got on everyone's bad list. And he's someone that, you know, with a new number change coming out there, maybe he's a little refreshed, maybe he knows he's on the bubble and needs to make the most of his opportunity. Justin Fields is definitely allowing him to make his case, uh, Javon Wims, to make this roster, who I know, Nick, you did have making this team. So I'm sure, just like with Damir Bird, uh, you're feeling good about seeing that out there. And then on top of that, I noticed, like, a lot of the starters, so the top three receivers that you see, you're looking, looking at Goodwin, Mooney, and A-Rob. Those are the ones that are out there primarily with Andy Dalton. And speaking of Allen Robinson, saw him a decent amount in 7-on-7, but when we got to those team situational drills, kind of MIA. Is that just really a testament to the defense today, Uh, chemistry lacking between Dalton and A-Rob? You've been there more days than me. What or why do you think A-Rob was kind of missing in action uh, during those team drills? I don't think it has to do with Dalton
1: and Robinson not having chemistry because they've definitely shown that prior to this practice. And, you know, he just wasn't targeted. And I think other guys just got open. Like there was a couple times where Andy Dalton was going to a Darnell Mooney who was uh, opposite of him was Kendall Vildor. And Darnell Mooney was winning that matchup. So you're going to throw it to that guy. And then you saw Komet finally get involved a little bit later in the team drills towards the middle of the field. Um, but, yeah, I think it is an interesting approach whenever any offense, and, you know, this Bears offense specifically doesn't look at an Allen Robinson during the team period and looking for a potential touchdown that the first stringers didn't get. That was interesting to see, but from what I've seen from Andy Dalton and Allen Robinson, those two have pretty good chemistry for being you know obviously their first year together so i don't think that was the issue maybe just want to get some other guys some looks like i said mooney was taking advantage of kiln vildor in that team setting a little bit and like i said earlier vildor got beat by demir bird down the right sideline so maybe they're just kind of they saw the weakness and they're taking advantage of it a little bit but it was interesting to not see 12 be as involved as we
0: all know he he should be which is okay I mean, Allen Robinson has been highly involved in this offense for the last years. I mean, he had led the team in targets by I think over 50 last season. So I'm not worried about his role in this offense. If anything, I'm glad to see them kind of test out some of these other guys, see what they have uh, in these other players. And when I just think about this offense in general, one thing that maybe kind of stood out. I'd be curious to your thoughts on it too, Nick. Is Matt Nagy getting that mojo back with some creativity? You talked about it on a previous episode. I was listening on my way back from vacation about some motion back in this offense and being utilized. But I thought they did more than just motion today, like post-snap. And again, we can't get into all the details. Um, but post-snap, you had, they had you looking left. They had you looking right. There was one that you and I both got completely fooled, didn't know where the heck the ball was for a good while. And I don't know. I thought some of that misdirection, slight of hand, it felt a little bit more like that 2018 vibe. I don't know. I'm excited to see that. What
1: are your thoughts on it? Yeah, that and even like yesterday, like I said, there was a, or two days ago, that would be Saturday's practice, like Wildcat was being involved in there. So I think Matt Nagy's just trying to get, you know, I thought maybe even back to his roots of being like that deceptive, creative play caller, but they obviously they need to work. But yeah, the one play where I couldn't even tell you who, who had the ball, whatever, I was looking right, there was motion going right. And then eventually the ball went, le- like, I couldn't even tell you how that play went because they, they got me from the stands, and maybe the vantage point had something to do with it. But, yeah, you, you have been seeing a little bit more of that motion, I think that's good from this Bears offense. And I think, honestly, I know that has to do with Matt Nagy, but the Bears are just running more of that pre-snap motion when Bill Lazor was the offense coordinator for the last couple of games. So, you know, maybe just kind of combining a little bit of both
0: and creating a product that hopefully works. Hopefully. That's the key word, but I'm excited. Again, it's not just motion pre-snap. You're motioning one way and then post-snap. The whole offense flows the opposite, but yet the ball's going back the original direction. Or maybe it's going back with the flow or against the grain. And I think the Bears are trying to leverage some of that new speed. Uh, that they have in this offense, too, because now you can stretch defenses more horizontally uh, than you have in the past. And I think that gives them you know, a few more wrinkles that they kind of get to play with. So I'm that's something I'll be keeping tabs on again once you get preseason games. I know the play calling gets a little vanilla, uh, but I'm really hopeful that this will transition over to uh, the regular season. Uh, on top of this, just some general offensive takeaways uh, when it comes to the offensive line. Uh, looking at Sam Musfer at center, he didn't look out of place. Uh, nothing about high snaps or anything of that nature. He looked pretty solid there. I was real curious to see just how he's faring with uh, Cody Whitehair and James Daniels next to him. Look pretty good. And, again, I know it's no pad, so we really can't talk about the offense line too much. Uh, I know they gave up some pressure, but I really hope the Bears get Jermaine Fetty and Tevin Jenkins on the field soon uh, because you can tell they surely do need him. And outside of that, Larry Borum, Lachavius Simmons, Tevin Jenkins when he's out there, they're just huge human beings. And you can tell the Bears really have an emphasis in kind of beefing up. Uh, this entire offensive line and uh, comparing it to like the 2019 season, I can just tell like a big difference and kind of like the body style and just the size up front. And hopefully that will lead to more pure dominant physical play in the trenches for this team. And then the running backs, I thought Montgomery looked real good and fluid. Uh, you were mentioning to me in the car ride up the, how fast he's been looking. And I like too when they're doing some of these team drills in their. 40, 60 yards away from the end zone and the play gets, you know, whistled dead at about four or five yards deep, but Montgomery still sprints his tail off to the end zone each. And every time that man's always looking to score. And I love those reps because you see it in games. He doesn't want to go down easy. And if he's always fighting for the end zone, I think that's a great mental state for him to be in. And then, of course, Damian Williams. He looks to be as advertised, and Herbert looks smooth, although we didn't really see him uh, just a ton. Is there anything else just about this offense in general, any individuals or any just general team takeaways you want to mention before we start to transition over to talk about this Bears defense? Yeah, just a couple of things here. I know someone mentioned what about Riley Ridley. You know,
1: I thought he had a really good catch from Justin Fields. He was in that team period running kind of like a deeper slant route, and the ball – it's a little high but Riley really just kind of sticks his you know hands up in the air and snags that ball out of the air so that was a really good rep by him and you know I I think just from this training camp too just early on you're gonna see a lot of those targets they do come from fields and this is a guy Riley really who you know we both didn't have making the roster but maybe with a guy like Justin Fields that gives him enough looks to tell the coaching staff otherwise so We'll have to keep an eye on how Riley really kind of progresses. He's had some up days, some down days, uh, both in the same day too, as well. So we got to see how he keeps progressing. And then, just for anyone who didn't see earlier with Tevin Jenkins, what he was kind of doing, there's you know just there's a hill in the back of fi- uh, one of the fields there, and then Will pointed out. Tevin Jenkins is pulling up a, a sled with a rope and just kind of working. And I know people are like, how is that good for back tightness? Well, Matt Nagy did say he's getting better in that area, and maybe he'll be in pads tomorrow. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, just working on that hill, just pulling up that sled. Don't know how much weight or if any weight's on there. But it doesn't look like it's easy, but he was out there
0: working. Yeah, there's no way in heck uh, that I would have been able to do that. And he's just sitting on the top of the hill and just pulling that rope and pulling that sled. Don't know, again, where you were maybe 140 yards away, Uh, so it's hard to really tell what exactly he's on it, but still, even the sled itself weighs at least 50, 60 pounds, and just to pull that up a pretty steep hill was pretty impressive, and you can tell that's a good sign that he is trending in the right direction, and he'll be back out there if it's not tomorrow. I think he'll be here very soon, and I I know as a fan, I'm eager to see Tevin Jenkins in the Bears uniform getting out there on the field, Um, but also you got to be patient. Don't want to risk anything that can maybe – alter his recovery at this stage of the game. Uh, He's someone that's very important for the Bears this year and in the future. Uh, So I urge all Bears fans uh, to be patient. But let's go ahead and kind of transition over to the defense. And I'll begin in the trenches because something that I had in my notes coming into this practice was, how do the three starting defensive linemen work? Uh, Like, look, because we haven't really seen them in action. Uh, The last time we did was 2018 during Bilal Nichols' rookie season, but 2019, uh, 20, I'm sorry, 2020, we're supposed to see that jump, right? Blown Nichols getting out there, Eddie Goldman, Akeem Hicks, but unfortunately, Akeem was dealing with injuries, and then Eddie went out due to COVID, opted out for last season. So we haven't really seen this group as much as we should have at this point, but they look strong, and they look real dominant. I think they're a big reason why that Bears starting defense was getting uh, as many sacks as they were today. There was one that had both Uh, Bilal Nichols, as well as Eddie Goldman right there for a sack and Andy Dalton. But I do believe, you know, going all the way back to Brandon. I know he called me yesterday. He texted you uh, about our credentials. You know, games were won and lost in the trenches. And I really think that this Bears beefed up defensive line, getting that starting trio back for the first time in a couple seasons, it's really going to help the rest uh, of this defense. And something that I've heard coming out of camp before I got here today was the Swaggers back on defense, and I think I saw that too. Even though the offense had a pretty decent day, you can still see a little extra pep uh, in the step of these defenders, but were there any big general takeaways for the defense today or just any player specifics that you wanted to hit on? You know what? Actually, I'll start what happened with, in just kind of like the individual drills.
1: I really haven't paid as much attention to the defense in that portion of practice as I have for the offense just because of the quarterbacks that are there, but just seeing up close and really personal what – Akeem Hicks, the strength of him and Eddie Goldman just hit these bags. I remember I was talking just to, you know, one of, one of the other media people just saying, like, I'm surprised this thing just doesn't break. Because Akeem Hicks was blowing this thing up, and then Eddie Goldman's right after it. And, like, this thing is not going to last the entire season. It just It's one of those four – it's got eight uh, – it would be eight pads on there four on each side and Akeem Hicks and you know Eddie Goldman just destroying him. And that's what you saw from the defensive line going against the offensive line and team drills, especially that first team versus you know, ones versus the ones. And that's why, you know, they're they're able to get that type of pressure. But in terms of people that I think stood out, I'm actually gonna go to somebody that's a little bit more underrated, like a Charles Snowden. Guys making, like, some splash plays, getting into those sack numbers that happened today. Also batting down a pass that happened in team drills. But, yeah, I think it's so hard to determine sometimes without the pads. Like, you know, one, it, it, would they get a the sack? And most likely it is because that defense is getting after the offense right now. But also just to kind of determine, like, well, are they making the tackles? But I think the big thing, are they just in the right spot? And I think for the most parts, like, you'll see a Roquan Smith – Like, yes, a pass is completed, but Roquan's right there. Is he going to dislodge the football from a cold commit? Is he just, what's going to happen next? And maybe with the pads we'll get a good indication of that. But the only other thing, really, that I noticed, like, the Bears have this turnover bucket. And they were actually just kind of practicing their celebrations over off to the field where – before they came over with the offense. So there's guys just practicing their dunking in in the turnover bucket. So that energy that Sean Desai has talked about that I've seen the past couple of days where the defense is really jawing at the offense, it's there. But I didn't see really many turnovers from the defense today.
0: I don't know if you did well, but there wasn't many. No, I I didn't see the bucket. I was was a little... You know, disappointed uh, that we were talking about that on a drive back to your house. And I'm like, oh, I go to one Bears practice entire year, and I didn't get to see the turnover bucket. Uh, maybe next time. But even though I think that's just a testament to the offense, though, uh, for protecting this football, all the quarterbacks and everyone, uh, you know, who had the ball in their hands, they were really securing the thing. Uh, but you mentioned Charles Snowden. I was glad to see him pop a little bit. Uh, one player that really surprised me who had a sack with the first-team defense was Mac. And not Khalil Mack. I'm talking about Ladarius Mack, Khalil's younger brother. He actually was out there with the ones, got himself in there for a sack. That was really interesting to see. And then I know Tashawn Gibson. Uh, I would say tinkered his groin mm-hmm. during warmups today, so he didn't get to practice. So your two starting safeties today, uh, DHC and Deion Bush. And Nick, without the two starting safeties, right? No Eddie Jackson yet. And then uh, with Gibson going down, or let's just say not going down. I'll say he just kind of stood out here today. I was surprised at how well the defense was able to play without the two starting safeties. It didn't seem like all too out of place. And maybe that's just a testament to having a really fr- strong front seven. But what did you see out of the safeties or what did you take about their play today? Because they weren't really tested all too much. It seemed like it's mostly the corners that are out there being tested. And I was pleasantly surprised by how well that defense can kind of play down two starters. Yeah, I think the big thing too with um, the safeties being out
1: you didn't see a lot of those deep shots completed. The one touchdown to Javon Wims, there was some kind of miscommunication, I think, because Wims did beat Thomas Graham. Would Anani Jackson still be able to save, you know, be in the spot there? don't know. And like we said earlier, Justin Fields did hit some passes over in the middle, so right behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. But for the most part, those deep shots in the TP, Team drills just didn't happen. So the guys like DHC, Deion Bush, the Jordan Lucases of the world, they were they were doing a good job of trying to mitigate the big plays. And I think, again, with the Sean Desai defense and being you know really accustomed to seeing how those guys can play, being a safeties coach just last year, he has those guys prepared, and it really showed today. So I think that is a testament to your defensive coordinator and just how those guys have just stepped up.
0: Yeah, and sticking with the secondary, I watched a few reps from Duke Shelley, and he looked pretty good out there playing the nickel. I uh, really tried to keep everything in front of him, and every time that I watched, they were playing his own, and he was able to pass off people with ease, uh, transition as well, and I thought he did a good job closing in uh, on the football if there was a pass completed in front of him. Really got there in a hurry, so I was pleased to see that. You mentioned Jordan Lucas. He really stood out today uh, playing with the twos, um, but he did come out there, and he was kind of all over the field. You see a play, and you're like, who's that? And i like, oh. You know, that's Jordan Lucas, and every time I see 23, I'm like, wait a minute, yeah. Fuller? I'm like, no, that's Jordan Lucas. But for that, him to pop up a few times uh, was really interesting as well. And then as when I'm looking at my notes, Marquis Christian getting those nickel reps like you mentioned the other day in practice, and that's something that isn't a huge surprise to me. I, I mentioned in Countdown to Camp that he is that hybrid safety linebacker, but I also didn't really expect him to maybe – Play more pure nickel because when he was out there it was in place of like a Duke Shelley and it was it was more of a nickel and it wasn't you weren't having like four or five DBs out there so maybe Marquis Christian watching for preseason games uh, being out there getting some of those nickel reps earning himself uh, a roster spot being able to kind of play uh, in that role as well and then there was Thomas Graham jr uh, during seven on seven uh, there's a real deep shot to Marquise Goodwin and, and Thomas Graham was able to keep good one in front of him which you know good one is like olympic speed by the way didn't make the olympics but he was damn near close and he was able to keep him in front of him and make a really nice play on the football. So for someone that the Bears drafted late uh, this year, Thomas Graham Jr., who I know Mason, uh, he's a big fan of. And the more I look into him, the more over, over the off season uh, I've been coming uh, coming around to like maybe this guy could be the real deal here in this Bears defense for the future. And I don't know, he made a few plays today. I know there was one miscommunication uh, in the team drills, but what I saw in terms of like that pure speed, that ability to kind of a one-on-one mano-e-mano against Marquise Goodwin, who's been in the league for a while now. I think it's a tremendous sign of what could come with Thomas Graham. Yeah, and I think another guy that I
1: haven't really mentioned in these training camp reports, Trey Roberson. He had a nice play against a Rodney Adams, number 13 down the right sideline. The ball was perfectly placed by Nick Foles there, but and just Trey Roberson was in the right spot. So it, I know a lot of people have been asking about him, what's he doing, obviously being you know one of the more highly regarded CFL players, now being on the Bears, but he did have a nice rep there. And I do want to mention this too with the defense. What you saw sometimes too throughout the practice, it wasn't just specific times, that you did mix up some of the players. So you would see maybe the starting front seven, but the secondary might have a Kindle Vildor and a Desmond Trufant and Jalen Johnson sat. And then you had different safeties. Obviously, there's two starters being out. But like a Ladarius Mack, like Will saying, did get first-team reps. But there was also like a mix of other guys from different units being intertwined throughout the defense. And look, just giving some guys some quality reps against higher-caliber players on the opposite end. So I, I like that from from the defensive side and how they're kind of doing things there. But... Yeah, I think, like we said, it was kind of a more calm day in terms of the turnovers, but still high energy from a unit that has really been bringing it throughout training camp.
0: Yeah, again, even though I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see that turnover bucket, uh, hearing that the offense did struggle with turnovers – I think that should be a good time for bears fans that the defense just didn't have their way like they did in some of these earlier practices. So the offense is taking some strides, doing a little bit of growth and they're not just being purely dominated by the other side of the ball. I think if we would have came in and you're like, Oh geez, Will, this is another day where the offense is really struggling with turnovers. I think then I would be more concerned about the offense than I would be maybe excited about the bears defense. And that's the fun part about practice and training camp. You kind of have to play both sides of the, you know, the equation here. Like you can be excited about turnovers, but also concern about the offense creating and causing some of those turnovers. But Uh, Regardless, uh, when I just think about the defense in general, you mentioned how they're intertwining people, which is exciting. And I thought I talked about Marquis Christian, but also Christian Jones, uh, looking really solid uh, as that third inside linebacker. When he's in there, it doesn't seem like that Bears defense uh, is really skipping a beat. Is there anything else about the defense that you wanted to mention before we move on? No, well, I think we we got it. I know you have
1: another note here about something that happened after practice, though.
0: Oh, you're right. Thank you for picking in my notes and making sure uh, that nothing is going on notice. So after practice, uh, all the big media like Nick got to go in to do some of the interviews uh, with players and uh, I was still staying in the stand. So I was, I love to do watching the players leave the field and who's the last one left. That's something I've been doing since I started covering camp way back in the 2015 season for, uh, for this podcast. And uh, today's last player on the field was Jalen Johnson, uh, way after everyone else, uh, out there working on the jugs. So I think Jalen Johnson, who had you know, a really good season, a decent amount of PPU's, but no interceptions, I think he's really hungry to get some of those, uh, just watching all the work that he put on the jugs. But he wasn't the only one. He was just the last one there. But I saw all the Bears DBs after practice do some time on there, uh, and even the Bears receivers too. Uh, A-Rob was out there just catching him one-handed every time. That's boom. Glue uh, on his hands, uh, but th- those are the two takeaways after practice that I kind of took away from. Uh, moving over to special teams here today, some guys I saw uh, returning punts that you may want to know is Demir Bird, Darnell Mooney, C.J. Marble, and wide receiver John vay uh, Johnson. Again, Treat Cohen, uh, he's still on the pup list, so he's he's there, but he's not fielding any punts. He's just kind of standing and watching that happen, but. If you're looking at who's the Bears are looking at in terms of replacement or at least temporary replacement, uh, those are some of those guys. And uh, Nick, you left by the time that they started doing some punting drills, but I was impressed with Pat O'Donnell's ability to kind of work on some of those coffin corner punts. There was a handful that they were able to down inside the 10 today, like rolling out of bounds or landing directly uh, on the sideline, so not giving that other team an opportunity to get any yards on a return and consistently downing them inside the 20 with some of those coffin corners. So reminded me a little bit of Brad Madard, uh which always put a smile on, on my face. And then I'll let you talk about uh, the day from Santos' little helper.
1: Yeah, Cairo Santos uh, remains perfect in training camp. So the last two days, what the Bears have been doing, uh, before team drills, they have the kickers go out there and just do a series of kicks. So Carlos Santos went four for four today, continuing that perfect streak. And then there was a what Matt Nagy calls a sudden change, essentially. And basically, you'll do do exactly what the term means: sudden change. And what they did, instead of going and bringing like the offense and defense to do a series or a drive, they just brought in a different kicker. And I'm like, well, number six, I know, I know, number six in the past, but it was and I have to look on the sheet here, Brian Johnson who went not perfect, but ended up going four for five and missing uh, one of the deeper field goals just to the right. And actually, Cairo Santos had a doink off the left post, but it went in. It went in. So we were, we when you, I think when Bears fans, and you kind of heard it, when you hear the doink, it's like, uh-oh, you know, like your heart stops and things happen. But Kyro Santos, the doink went in his favor. So remains perfect, though, throughout training camp, just right before transitioning team drills, which is obviously great to see.
0: Yeah, and he hit on his one attempt in the team drills as well. Uh, So he was 5-for-5 on the entire day. Uh, So Santos, the little helper, looks as strong as ever. And then I just noticed a few guys that were consistently getting special teams reps. Only the bubble guys I'll mention are some obvious ones like a DHC who are always out there, um, but a marquee Christian. Uh, Artie Burns and Kyrus Tonga uh, were out there getting some reps, either it would be punt unit, field goal unit. And I believe, you know, if you're looking at guys who maybe they're making their roster, maybe they're not, maybe they're a practice squad guy. If you're looking at Tonga, uh, the fact that the Bears are giving them special teams looks now I think is a pretty good sign uh, that the Bears are at least hopeful that they can make this team and be a part of that third phase. Uh, Do you have anything else over here on special teams before we move on? No, I'm just curious to see maybe with the pads coming on tomorrow,
1: If it's still as big of a group as it is right now at the punt returners and kick returners, really, because kick returners the Bears are they had about like six guys on Saturday, and you know it's still a pretty big number. But I'm curious to see how that group starts to diminish a little bit, you know, showing that they're kind of leaning towards one guy or the other. But still, plenty of training camp, uh, obviously preseason games that the Bears have to figure that out. But that is something special teams-wise that I'm curious to look at, because we know Kyro Santos is doing his thing right now. That's the one consistent. Now we just got to see how the, all the other parts of it
0: kind of unfold. So one random observation uh, after practice, uh, as an expectant father, uh, my firstborn's due Thanksgiving Day, I just wore my heart to see some of these players uh, getting to see their family and having their kids come on the field. Andy Dalton uh, was playing with his daughter for a good ten minutes afterwards, just running around having a good time. Uh, same thing for like Nick Foles. They actually had. Dalton's family uh, take a photo of Foles and his family and then they switched and they all kind of posed as well so that was cool to see you can tell they're pretty tight uh, Pat O'Donnell, Danny Trevathan, DHC and Robert Quinn all spending some quality time uh, with their kids Robert Quinn is racing uh, with his kids down the field which is fun and we didn't mention Robert Quinn earlier because the edge guys didn't really splash too much again no pads but I did peek over a little bit during individuals and they were going uh, one drill they were kind of hitting the pad and going around it so going around the edge and he looked pretty fast uh, going around I So for a guy that looked a little slower last year, I think he does have that extra step back. And I'm excited to see that quickness uh, out of Robert Quinn. How does it translate? And can it actually be something he can lean on and succeed with come the regular season? Um, But I think that really does it for today's practice recap. But before we go off, pads come on. What are you looking for like when the pads come on? What are some of those questions that you have uh, that you want to see either get answered or what are you going to be paying attention to? I'm curious to see if this offensive line struggles as much as we've seen without the pads because it's hard to block someone when you really can't hit them, can't use those pads, can't use that leverage. It's easy for a guy to you know run through when you're kind of just taking a few steps into your progression stopping into your sets. But I'm just curious, in your mind, what are some of those things once the pads come on that are going to be on the top of your radar of things to pay attention to?
1: The one is actually the offensive line to see if they are – you know, with the pads on now, we, we're not even evening the playing field just quite. But now I think the offensive line has more of a chance because right now they're, they're getting smoked out there. And being backup tackles, I want to see if the pads will help them in any way to where now we can – like I said, maybe even the playing field, but also the running backs, too. Like, look, well, in these practices, yes, David Montgomery goes up the middle, Damian Williams go up the middle, and they, they squeak out, and then they finish the run just like they've been doing. But now you're going to hear some thuds. And we saw what David, we know what David Montgomery can do when he gets pads on. So I'm curious to see how those, you know, specifically on offense, what they're capable of doing, and maybe just kind of giving back that energy, in, in a sense, back to the defense who has been you know, the vocal unit at, so far through training camp. So I'm really looking forward to that. And obviously with Justin Fields now with the pads on, the, I I doubt that really changes much, but I'm just curious to see how kind of he handles it. And it'll be at Soldier Field too. So that will be, you know, an interesting dynamic to kind of just watch throughout the training camp practice. But yeah, I think it's about time. I think we also saw, who was it that was joined? It was Akeem Hicks. I think it was Lachavius Simmons, if I'm not mistaken. Like, they were jawing at each other. And the previous practice on Saturday, Juan Castillo's yelling at defensive linemen. So I think everybody's almost getting to the point where you're a little tired of each other. And now you can put on pads, and now you can kind of release a little bit of that anger. But they could save that and reserve it for the Miami Dolphins that will be in Soldier or House Hall in just a couple weeks.
0: So I see a good question that's sneaking up in the chat, and I apologize we can't see them all. I have my laptop over here. We have a kind of a bootleg system uh, in Nick's office. But who are your three stars of today's practice? Uh, Justin Fields is an obvious one, I think, who stood out today. It's hard for me not to really go back towards like a Jesse James just because of that connection and always just kind of stepping up, it seems like, whenever uh, Justin needed a security blanket, he's looking at Jesse James. Is there any – Player in defense that's deserving of a star here today, or any other players that are on your mind right now? Oh, that's a really good question. Um,
1: I mean, look, I could go really, really easy and say like Kyros Santos because he was perfect, but if I'm going to go maybe, so I'll go underrated and I'll say for a guy that is looking to make this team, I thought Charles Snowden had a pretty good day. You know, just for someone where obviously on the outside looking in and just making getting a sack and also batting down a pass. That's exactly what you want to see from a guy, an undrafted free agent, someone that the Bears, you know, picked up there and is looking to just maximize that that upside that he has. So very underrated guy, but I'm I'm sure there's, you know, a lot of guys that are, you know, worthy of that top third spot. Like I can also say even like a Javon Wims, I thought, you know, had a way better day. And this is after coming off an ankle injury they sustained in Saturday's practice. I was really surprised to see him move as fluidly as he was. So that's another guy as well that's definitely deserving.
0: Really good question. Thank you for throwing that there in our chat. Uh, we didn't mention his name, but I want to make sure listeners know if they don't know that Daz Newsom has been elevated from the pup list. Uh, so he was very limited today, but he was out there uh, going through some motions as well, kind of gearing himself to going full here probably very soon. So hopefully, you know, Daz Newsom's first, Tevin Jenkins is second, and we'll figure out Tariq Cohen uh, as we kind of go through this. I know he's probably the longer pull out of all these guys uh, right now, but. I think that's going to do it. Uh, That's, my only Bears Camp report that I'll be doing here for the season. by I know you'll be back uh, taking care of business per usual. Uh, thank you for holding down you know, the ship, the fort, uh, while I was away, doing a little bit of a vacation, a little bit of a mental break uh, before we get into this season. Uh, it was a lot of fun listening to your podcast, driving back up here in order to kind of prepare myself for Bears Camp. I so thought you did a great job. Looking forward to seeing what else uh, you can do here in uh, in this future as well as for Bears Camp tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure, like all of our listeners, I'm excited to hear some pads pop. Uh, So, definitely appreciate that moment when you can out there at Soldier Field tomorrow, Nick. But uh, any final thoughts or any last words before I sign off? Yeah, just a quick
1: shout out to Jasmine Quinn, Robert Quinn's sister, for winning the gold medal in the 100 meter race this past weekend. And Quinn talked about, had a press conference afterwards, and he was just, you could tell he was just emotional and just so proud of his sister's baby sister. Jasmine, So just want to give a quick shout-out to, to Robert Quinn, the, the Quinn family, just for uh, obviously an amazing accomplishment for what he's been doing in camp so far. So hopefully he continues that, but shout-out to Jasmine for winning a gold medal.
0: There we go. Keeping it all in the family on the Chicago Audible, but that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to make sure you get more of these camp updates uh, throughout Bears Training Camp. Uh, It's a great way to catch up to our post-game show that we'll be doing here once preseason begins, regular season begins. Uh, So if you're new to us, welcome. I really appreciate you. And again, to all of our podcast listeners around the entire globe, uh, hopefully these Bears Camp podcasts are sustaining your needs. I know Bears Camp is much more restricted now uh, than ever before, so we're really trying to give you the most information that we possibly can given the restrictions, uh, and I hope that you found all the information that Nick and I were able to provide you to be of value, but uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Up next will be Nicholas Moriano talking about Family Fest. Yep, I'll be there tomorrow at Soldier Field. So there you go. Up next we be Nick, Bears, Family Fest, takeaways from the first padded practice of the season. But until then, bear down, Chicago.